He taught me, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. To infinity and beyond! No crying? There's no crying in baseball! Season 2, Episode 5, Episode Cinco. How is everybody? We are good. Fantastic. Do you hear that voice? That voice has been missing. Yes, yes I was. I was in he is back last week. The, the King of the Ring is back. Devlin Clemens, say hello. Hey, everybody. I'm sorry that I didn't get to make it last week. I was actually driving... When this was recorded last week, the the 13 Ghost episode, I was actually driving from Tombstone, Arizona, back to Phoenix, which is about a three-hour drive. So, didn't know how my signal was going to be. I didn't want to risk it not sounding well. So, uh, I knew that we had Alex coming in as a guest. So, I wanted to be uh, give him like the opportunity to have you know that 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 time with you guys. So. Just to let the fans know, I wasn't dogging them. It was just I was on vacation, and unfortunately, just kind of ran into less time to get back. So, it happens. Well, we are we're glad to have you back. We Appreciate definitely that. missed you, but it was a fun episode um, last week. So, I'm sure the uh, audience will enjoy listening to that one. Uh, Jason Quinn, you're still here too. So, say hello. Hello. Sorry, maybe I need to do a better introduction for you. I mean, uh, the one and only, the TikTok star, Mr. Jason Quinn. Thank you. Thank you. Far too kind. How's that? I, th- I think that was uh, <coughs> a little better. <laughs> All right. So um, before we get into the meat and potatoes, and uh, trust me, today's meal is going to be a good one. Uh, but before we get to the main course, uh, I would call it the a few ways meatballs to... of the episode. Hey, all right, all right, nice, nice little foreshadowing right there. So, a couple of ways to uh, get in touch with us if uh, if that's your thing, uh, folks. Uh, Facebook, Know Your Cinema Podcast, same on uh, Instagram. I think actually it's just KYC Podcast on Instagram. Uh, Twitter handle is at KYC Podcast, uh, and then TikTok, just follow Mr. Jason Quinn. He uh, he himself has a great following, and he also um, uh, both talks about uh, uh, our podcast on there as well. I also just put Is up a uh, – I did, yeah. And today I just put up a top – like my own personal top five favorite kid-friendly Halloween movies. So, uh, Ooh. <clears throat> you know, it's, it, I'm, I'm working on incorporating as much movie-related content into my own personal stuff as possible, so. To uh, give to whet the appetite of the uh, of the listener, can you uh, give us number five? Uh, number five is Casper. The I believe it's nineteen ninety six, ninety seven. Casper ninety five. Ninety five. Pretty sure it's ninety five. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's a good movie. 
speaking of uh, 90s and Halloween, I saw Adam Sandler's, I think it's called Hubie Halloween, just two days ago. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed it. It was fun. It was a, for me, it was a real throwback to 90s Adam Sandler movies. So I've been, not been a big fan of his work for the last decade or so, but this one was a, I don't know, something about it felt nostalgic and felt 90s. It was it was very nice. It's a fun movie. Definitely a family-friendly movie. So, now, have yeah. you seen his Pennsylvania series? Uh, oh, you know what? Uh, I have seen the first two. Uh, I saw it with my uh, nephew when he was real little, and th- those were uh, those were good too. You're right. I don't. I agree yeah, with you. Like his live that? actions are like, eh, but those are good. My, uh, mm-hmm. I agree. I, I've seen it, and uh, it, it's a good, like, family wholesome, you know, movie. So, um, yeah. I really did appreciate that about it. So. Yeah, it's good. I'm not saying it's like a great movie, but it's, it's a fun. It's a fun movie. Like we, I, I, uh, me and Beth, we enjoyed. We, I mean, even Arya enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. We, we had our laughs. So it was good. If it's Arya approved, then it's, it's a hit. And that's right. <laughs> so uh, she wasn't too scared. She, she laughed through it. So well, I think she was trying to imitate us. She would try to <laughs> laugh, and we laughed. Like yes, Arya, it's funny, huh? She's like, yeah, funny. <laughs> Let's talk, Goodfellas. Who among us have not seen Goodfellas? Who who's this the newbie? Who's the newbie That'd to Goodfellas? That would, that would be me. That is Jason Quinn. Okay, uh, Devlin, uh, you have been gone for a week. I think uh, it's time the uh, listeners got to uh, you know get a flavor <laughs> of uh, of your right. voice again. So how about no you problem. start us off? I'm sure you were sitting on that for a week, wanting to make me go first. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm not I'm not a, a prissy ass like Vivin is. Okay. <laughs> um so Goodfellas um I was exposed to Goodfellas actually about 18 years ago or so. I didn't like mob movies. I was kind of in the same boat like Jason was. Uh I didn't like mobster movies. I guess it just wasn't my forte, but I didn't really like start appreciating other movies. Um uh, like like really like uh biographical, you know, biography picks or um, stuff like that. Uh, but uh, Goodfellas, the first time I watched it, I'm like, God, how did I miss this movie? Like, it's so good. Um, and watch The Godfather. And while I love The Godfather, and I'm very appreciative of The Godfather, this is my favorite mobster movie. Um, it, I just love Scorsese's work. I don't... It's hard to put into words how good he is at using everything around you the music uh the dialogue the the world building he does it all even in like his more modern pictures like the departed how he uses a lot of you know the scene the, the scenery of boston the accents the music in that as well um i just i love the cast in this movie uh, a lot of the cast also went on to be in the sopranos as well um, Lorraine Bracco was one of the main characters in The Sopranos, um, and she does a phenomenal job in this movie. Uh, it remind me who Lorraine Bracco is. She is. Um, she's uh, Karen Hill. She's Henry Hill's wife. Oh, she's in. Yeah. She plays Doctor okay. uh, Melfi, and that's Tony Soprano's. Get so out of Tony here. Soprano's therapist in The Sopranos. 
Yes. That is awesome. And you and okay. when you're watching this movie, you'll see some of the characters in this movie, like they might be bit players, but they end up becoming like regulars on the Sopranos. Like uh when they're, you know, bringing in those fur coats, the guy that's wheeling in those fur coats, that ends up being a very pivotal character in the Sopranos as well. But I'm getting off topic here, I could talk about the Sopranos all day. Anyways, um yeah, I, I love this movie um, for its humor uh, at parts. I, I love some of the the scenes. I love seeing, like, even when they're making food and eating food, because uh, that's a big part of, you know, a, you know Italian culture is their food um, and what, what bringing people to the table means to them. Um, I just, I really love, and I also love the fact that it's a, it's a, it's a true story. Now, it's not in, portrayed in this movie. It's not portrayed correctly at some times but at the same time this is a real life story of uh, a, a guy named henry hill who was in the mob he couldn't be made because of his irish heritage but he was in the mob and in one of the most famous mobs in in the world at that time and you know like i said just this whole cast of of characters and the way they're brought to life and on on screen just is so good and they all mesh well and they all just it's just almost like a perfect storm of 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 characters along with the actors and how Scorsese picked the right people for the parts um the world building I always love the the 50s and 60s era and you know we get a we get a long you know stretch of different and you can see it with the way they dress and how their clothes are to to how the music is and and how the cars are so we get a a good variety of different decades within this movie so it just i i can keep going on and on about my love of this movie but in reality it's just it's one of those movies that i think that everybody should see and enjoy because of the story that it's putting out there and that it's not it's not like a mafia boss, you know, it's about a guy who was kind of like a runner for the mob and, and, and did all these, you know, necessary things to keep himself afloat, but also at the same time, pay respects to, um, Polly. And it's just, it's a really, really great story and has a really, really good dramatic feel to it at times. So that's really my review of this movie. Um, yeah, so I'll uh, I'll probably uh, go over some of the same areas that you have covered, uh, but I, I, I kind of want to talk about uh, Scorsese himself uh, for a second, and then segue into uh, Goodfellas. I so I, I grew up just loving movies; like that was my thing. I really did not get into sports. Uh, did not have the flair for that. Or the athletic um, body. Uh, I loved the arts. Or the athletic What's that? Uh, yes, they go hand in hand, right? <laughs> no coordination, is it, no Is balance, it really no weird that the skinny guy on this show is the least athletic of, of us all? <laughs> yes, uh, it's called Arnie. Uh, Jason, you were into sports, right? Yeah, I played, I played football up. in high school. Okay, I, I thought you uh, talked about that. So movies was life for me. Um, I 
uh, I just grew up um, on movies. My mother mainly raised me while I was, uh, you know, when we were little kids because my dad used to work uh, just outside the country. So I'd only see him like uh, for a month uh, every year. So movies was a substitute for every other thing. You know, we don't get to go out much to different places. So uh, TV was pretty much <laughs> what uh, what raised me. And uh so Hollywood films, uh, once I got here was, you know, all the mainstream films, that's what I kind of, that was my diet. And obviously Indian films is also a big part of it. Uh, but by the time I got to, so this was uh, junior year. And uh, so this was the summer of junior year. I got a, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, so this was like Blockbusters, but it was called Hollywood yes. Video. Okay. And uh, so they used, they had this uh, special where you could, uh, uh, for that summer, you could get uh, rent up to three movies a day. Yeah. And uh, clearly they were not uh, counting on anybody to actually do that. And uh, I was that one guy who was going every day and finding three movies a day to go watch. Uh, clearly I had time apparently. Um one of those times turned out to be when I picked up a taxi driver. So now before this, everything was just think of movies like Independence Day, any kind of action movie, you know, th that's the kind of films that I'm watching. And once I watched Taxi Driver, it was like, uh, it was like Dorothy kind of getting to Oz and walking through the door and suddenly there was a whole nother technicolor world that I was not <laughs> aware that even existed. And I was like, oh, what is this? And it really was that kind of shift for me. It's like, oh, there's a whole nother world of cinema that I have not even touched. And like my love affair of cinema, real cinema kind of <clears throat> started after that. So everything from all of Scorsese's films, all the indie directors, and that's where I really started to obsess over directors. And not just American directors, Italian directors. And I mean, Scorsese is a nice gateway drug to a lot of uh, Italian directors. And then that kind of creates its own kind of uh, gateway to other harder drugs, uh, if I'm going to keep going with that metaphor. Having said all that, Goodfellas for me is probably one of the great Scorsese films. Uh, yeah. If so, I would probably break down Scorsese films into a couple of different ways. Like for me, The Depart is the one that I can watch it. Like I, I can just keep playing it. it. It just has the right rhythm, the right tempo. It just moves, and the acting, everything is just perfect in that movie. But I, I, I still recognize that Goodfellas might be his best film that he's ever made. It just everything in it. Uh, the the editing of Thelma Schumacher, who he's uh, worked with since 1980, since uh, Raging Bull. It's, it, he, he, they do things in this movie with editing that I have, that I still don't see people do, that any other filmmaker do. There's freeze frames, there's voiceovers done in the right way. Voiceovers are so hard to pull off, but here it's just done, it's, it's great to listen to these characters because they don't, it's not just plot information. You really are starting to get an insight into how Henry Hill thinks, um, how his wife thinks. When they do their voiceover, it's more like an internal monologue, which feels super authentic. You really feel like you're in that place and time and how they were thinking through those situations. 
and then you have uh, the the world building that uh, Devlin mentioned the uh, the 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 outfits the costume now you, you got to remember Scorsese grew up you know in in play in streets like this so he he uh, part of the reason why the film feels so uh, honest is that he is filtering his own experiences growing up in those types of neighborhoods um into these movies and that's where you get that real kind of uh uh like it's like almost like a first person you really have a feel for or somebody who actually lived through this is is guiding you through this experience i don't think if somebody who had not been part of that world even if they are a great director uh say like a spielberg they would not be able to replicate that uh that feeling that goodfellas brings so i mean those are kind of the uh things that i think about when i watch goodfellas and then obviously there are these amazing performances uh, joe pesci uh, this might be one of the great knockout performances it is just insanity every time he's on screen he is so convincing uh for i mean I, and this is i think this is the same year that he also plays um the character in uh, home alone and to think about the fact that he played two completely different type of personalities in that year and it's just so good in both directions in both ends of the spectrum but here especially that improv scene where um where he's uh <laughs> uh now where he's talking about wait what 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 do you think that's so funny about me what is uh, and then really and you can tell that uh Henry Hill or Ray Liotta playing that character he it it feels like he's not quite sure uh, how serious Joe Pesci is being in that scene and it, it doesn't matter how many times i see that scene halfway through i always feel like it's going to go a different direction and that's the power of a of a really good performance you really don't know every time you see it, it feels like it's the first time you're watching it and you have no idea which direction it's going to go obviously you have the rest of the cast you have robert de niro as jimmy he's solid as that role uh polly i mean devlin already kind of gone over a bunch of these other actors and all of them are just spot on and perfect in the roles uh the roles that they occupied that's where i'll stop uh let's uh Jason um I uh I enjoyed the film. I I like the world building. I think it has really good strong word world building. I wish mm-hmm. we would have got to stay in the 13-year-old version of the the world a little longer. um i would have liked to like any explain you you mean uh, the mm-hmm. the younger henry Hill? i would have liked to expand okay, okay, a version okay. of that i'm not saying that it wasn't set enough but i liked being raised by the mob um i thought that that was kind of a cool thing <clears throat> i like there's a scene uh where he after he's he's pinched for the first time and he comes mm-hmm. out of out of court and the whole mob standing there because he you know he didn't snitch he just he 
he went in and did everything perfect, right? And they all right. celebrate him getting off and all that stuff. And that's such a cool scene for in my opinion, because there's such a there's such a large group in that scene, but everybody in that scene is doing exactly what they're supposed to do well. Because if you look around at all the faces of the people that are celebrating, they genuinely seem so proud of of what he's done, right? It's right. it's <clears throat> there's like you know a good fourteen people in that scene, and they're all you know really firing. It's such a small. I mean, I understand that it's just a small thing, but like they nailed that. And I was just, I really thought that that was like a kind of a, that, that moment in particular made me feel like, you know what? They actually genuinely care about this kid. And I think that that, <clears throat> that kind of drew me more into the story. I know it's just a small thing, but sometimes that's what it is. You know, sometimes it's the small things that matter the most. Um, devil's in the details. Right. And uh, it's called a catalyst. I, <laughs> It's because that's the beginning of the movie, so it's the catalyst for drawing you into it. Now you want to see more. I just, I appreciate it. The one thing that I've always found weird about mob movies and like the mob is that there is a, and this is, this kind of bothers me, and I think it's part of the reason why I have like a uneasiness when it comes to watching those types of is that always the, the wives and the girlfriends, right? And I'm, I'm, you know, very much a platonic kind of person, right? So that's not the kind of person that I am. But the thing that I find weird about that whole environment is that they treat, like, the men in the in those environments treat each other with such a love and respect for each other, and it seems to extend to a full family situation. But then each individual person that's in the families never treat their their wives and children anywhere near as good as they treat their brothers in arms. And I've always found that like really weird. <clears throat> like it's just it's just a harsher environment. And it's the same way in like like uh, like Godfather 2 kind of showcases it a little bit more too, because the kids are a little older in that movie. Um so you get to see that same kind of a, a relationship to where it's like they're there and they're a part of their lives, but they're not, they're not, they don't matter as much as the person standing next to you in the trenches. And maybe it's just because I've never been in that scenario that I don't understand it. You know what I mean? But I've always found that to be like an odd kind of thing that happens. <clears throat> and the movie showcases a lot of that because I mean, Henry Hill's character has like two girlfriends and a and a wife in this movie, and so you get a lot of a lot of the drama from this movie is because of that inability to, you know, be faithful. And I feel like it's a weird thing because his wife is a boss in her own right. You know what I mean? And so you would think that she would, he would have that kind of a respect for her and not be, you know, running around, but he still fucking does that shit. And 
so I don't know that kind of thing. That kind of thing just always kind of weirds me out about the whole scenario because it's like, you know, here you have this, you know, this person who's next to you and who's, you know, willing to go to battle with you just as much as anybody else is, if not more. <clears throat> and, you know, you're out running around on her, but you're not doing the same to your, your, your team. But I guess he does again, you know, run around on Polly and, you know, get in with the narcotics and things like that, which ends up being the whole downfall of everything. I did not see coming the fact that right. he was going to go into witness protection and rat out everybody. <clears throat> yeah. Which I guess makes the opening sequence, that catalyst moment that we were talking about more powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the the turn. Yeah, finally when it comes to like, oh, yeah, wow, so, that came full circle. I mean, it wasn't. It's definitely not a bad movie. Um, comparing it to, I would I would put it. We've we've talked three gangster movies on this podcast, right? I would put it above Godfather Two, personally, because mm. I don't like that one as much. Oh, okay, okay, I see what you're But I yeah. would never put it above Godfather. So that's that's where I that's kind of where I stand on it. It was a pretty good movie. Um, Joe Pesci, like you said, is fantastic in this movie. <clears throat> when he's about to get made and he walks into the room and he says, "Oh no," <laughs> or "Oh shit," whatever it is that. Yes, it is so fast. I mean, it's literally like two seconds, but he, I'm like, "Yep," <laughs> you mm. you really feel that moment. You're like. Oh shit! Because he knows because he's done mm-hmm. that before to other people, so he knows exactly what. Yeah, and he has. And no then you're, and yeah, I'm kind of confused too, as to why they all they thought that he was gonna get made because when he when they were like, yeah, he's gonna get made, I was like, nah, he's about to die. Like I knew he was gonna die before the people in the movie knew he was gonna die. But then like. Because as soon as they were like, yeah, he's about to get made, I'm like, nah, they're just going to shoot his ass. Like, that's... <laughs> he's the yeah, dead it's never man. Really, it's never really explained the, the legitimate character of Tommy, um, the real-life guy. And, I mean, same thing exactly in the movie happened. Not... They don't know what happened to him. They just know that he was supposed to get made, and then he just disappeared. So... Well, we do know that yes. uh, there was a real Billy yes. Bass character. No, no, and, and he did and, get and killed. Tommy, so that, and he was Tommy, a main Tommy man, did so kill that definitely him. Had... But we don't know the circumstances yeah. of how anybody found out. So it, that's never really revealed in yeah. the movie is how like that got back to whomever that had that caused Polly to have to do that to to Tommy because ultimately it was. Polly, who had to do that to Tommy, because it was Polly's brother. It was it was it was Tootie who shot him in the back of the head. Okay, well, um, okay. I was uh, listening to actually forget the gentleman's name, but he apparently was um, part of that world at that um, at that time period, so he knew these characters. So he was kind of giving some insights into how uh, how accurate the movie was, and he does yeah. say there's clear differences between the movie and the real life. But he still puts Goodfellas as 
probably the most yeah. accurate of the gangster films ever made as just as far as the feel of it and how it how it plays out and yes those incidents did occur um especially billy bass getting killed there was a little bit differences as far as exactly the timing of it uh but yeah uh, but i can see that really playing yeah. into what happened well, i didn't realize did I, do they mention um, that it's joe Gotti's and, guy that he kills no, no Gotti's never, mentioned, Gotti's never mentioned in the film but it's what happened was is the the scenario that we see in the bar with Tommy and him telling him to shine his shoes that all that legitimately happened. However, it was two weeks later that he ended up killing Billy Bats. So he didn't mm. just come back later that night and kill him. But he had mentioned to yeah. uh, uh, Jimmy that he was gonna you know I'm gonna fucking kill that guy. But and then like I said that typical from what I read. M- Mob hits have to basically be handed down as like, hey, this is you're gonna start a war if because Tommy, your guy, killed a made man. Tommy wasn't made, so you have to take care of this problem. The blood has to be on your hands because it's your guy. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um you know, I, I want to uh, kind of pick up on uh, what Jason was speaking about with uh, how uh, how the characters act, especially towards uh, uh, the female characters, just the whole idea of infidelity and all of that. I, I think part of, and I, I think this movie, even more than Godfather, kind of highlights this, is kind of being a gangster especially Henry Hill kind of sees it as well. This is the kind of lifestyle that nobody else gets to live. And they really get to kind of, mm-hmm. in a sense, be reckless. And even though, yes, you're right. There is a code, there are protocols, there are brothers in arms. All of that is true, but it is all under the guise of, well, we are men. Uh, it's a patriarchal society. We get to, you know, they get to create the rules. And so that means that we also get to, bend the rules mm-hmm. for whether when it comes yes. to marriage and other things as they see fit. And, and I think uh, what is, it, I don't think you can be a gangster. You can, you know, so flippantly kill people, steal, rob, and then be a good person when it comes to the rest of your life. You know, that kind of behavior and that kind of uh, slippery slope will, you know, impact every other choice you make in life. So I don't think Henry Hill would have any compunction of thinking twice about, you know, cheating on his wife or, you know, having a couple of mistresses. And uh, they're all morally wrong. And I think that is what's fascinating about this movie and how Scorsese, um, you know, Scorsese does not, he doesn't moralize the movie. He does not like try to tell you, hey, being a gangster is bad it's more like he's like well look at these people and how they live i just want you to watch this and watch these people and it's all interesting how the movie ends the movie ends with almost henry hill (laughs) he first of all breaks the fourth wall he suddenly talks to you right in front of the uh right into the camera and then it ends with this that was shocking and and then it ends with this dolly of the camera kind of going through the suburbia and it ends with Henry Hill 
just a random morning he's picking up the newspaper and he looks right at the camera and it's like yeah now I'm a schmuck yeah. just like the rest of you you know yeah <laughs> this is what I am I'm not happy about it but this is what I have to be it's almost like he's it's 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 not like he learned a lesson it's more like meh that was a good time but now i had to be just a regular person it's not like he le- you know and that's yeah. interesting that he well i mean it, you got to look at it in this perspective too going back to the female characters think of the lorraine brocco character think of karen hill as a nice suburban jewish woman jewish girl that falls in love with mm-hmm. the lifestyle she didn't she fell in love with henry but she fell in love to the mystery and the intrigue and the lifestyle that henry was bringing to her because we see an evolution of her character throughout the movie where she's kind of innocent and didn't, you know, was shy on the, on the first date. And then she kind of explodes when he, uh, you know, uh, doesn't show up to the second date and makes Tommy go, go around and finds him. And she, you know, basically gives him the business, but she's still infatuated by this guy because he had the nerve to do that to her. And then he's kind of talking himself up and now he's like, Oh, I'm kind of turned on by this this chick coming all the way down here to to you know give me the business and then it slowly evolves into like money and her falling in love with the lifestyle and even then going as far as later in the movie like hiding the drugs or flushing the drugs down the toilet like if that was her at the beginning I don't think that would have happened but as we see the character evolve she becomes more infatuated with the lifestyle where she you know she's not working she's just using the money that he brings into the house and buying these lavish things for her home and her ki- children and living that, that, that mobster lifestyle. So a lot of times the women that are portrayed can't get away from that lifestyle because they're so accustomed to it. They can't get away from it. It's like when he gets back out of jail and she's living in that like apartment and he's like, get packed for moving. Like we're not living here anymore. And then she goes on to buy right. more lavish things. And even when they, they make that big heist, then they're all like, hey, don't spend all this money. Don't go out and buy this most expensive stuff. What are they doing? They're out buying the most expensive Christmas tree and this nice house with the the uh, opening of the, the entertainment center and uh, imported uh, uh, dining room set that came in two pieces. I mean, it's like it shows like the evolution of, of the character of her and also that she's fallen into that mob mafia lifestyle as well. That's why I love the whole, it's, it's that one shot where they, uh, yeah. where Henry takes the, 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 into the, the one Coca-Cola camera shot from the, the back entrance. Y- yes. And I think, I mean, look, I've seen uh, many movies now that has that one trick shot and, they're all effective to a certain uh, to a certain level, but he, here, thematically, it it is so powerful because it goes to exactly what you're saying, which is that the way the that that shot takes place, you get the seduction that's happening. Uh, Lorraine is feeling, oh, look at the power he can. He has the back door entrance to the Coco Cabana. He he has you know he knows all these people. He knows how to work his way through, you know, what is supposed to be, you know, one of the, uh, the key places in that, uh, if you want to call it in that arena. And he has that power. And he, she is seduced by that power. And we, 
and Scorsese seduces us by you know staging well, that, also, that scene. The that, part about that is and that's what's so beautiful about the movie. You really he shot it from the back, and I think if he yeah. shot it from the front, we wouldn't have got that same mm-hmm. feel because we can see what's in front of us when they go out into like the main dance floor or the performance floor. We see all those people around there, and then there's people mm-hmm. waiting to get a table, and the the major d is like. No, you guys take here. You guys take this table over here. And they put it up front near the stage and set it all up for them. But if we had that back shot, if we saw them walk through the kitchen in the back and like we're facing them, we wouldn't have gotten to see all those people in there until it widened out. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's really effective in immersing you in that world. Same thing with the uh, the cocaine uh, when that whole where Henry is super paranoid mm-hmm. about the helicopters possibly tagging him and then he has to make meatballs for the dinner and he has to pick up his crippled brother. Like It's like this huge mix of things that are happening and it's so good because both Scorsese is having fun with all those sequences and it really you can feel the kind of the anxiety, the tension, but at the same time you can feel how, how Henry is just kind right. of he's living his highest level of life in the sense that he is, this is, you know, it is, it is, it is living life at the highest kind of peak possible. It's, well, if you look at so that shot that we see them skipping the line and going into the, the Copacabana, there's a throwback to it, but it's on a lesser level was when Karen visits him in jail. There's a whole line of people trying to get in and the guard pushes her forward. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I, I never and noticed so, that. And so, like, yeah, he still, Henry still has that power. It's just not on the most exotic of levels anymore because he's in prison. But it's also, mm-hmm. like, the catalyst of their, you know, one of the, the part of their relationship is him still cheating on her and by having not only her bring him stuff in, but her, the, the, the mistress bring her stuff in. And shout out to the, the guy getting a blowjob in that scene, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I noticed that this time. I was like, hold on. Just like kids, there's just okay. like families and like, kids around, and, and he's and like, I mean, I mean, I'm getting a blowjob. What I mean, you you do you, but that's what I'm doing. I you know, I mean, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else that we want to talk about this movie before we go to some of our categories? I, I just want to say that like the 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 few Scorsese films that I have seen. I really, I really appreciate him more and more as a director every time I see him uh, do a film, because he seems to evolve with the times, but also keeping his niche and how he approaches things. Because, like, if you watch Goodfellas, you see bits and pieces of Goodfellas in like Gangs of New York, and how it's shot, and and the characters that are there. Um. And I just, like I said, I just, I really appreciate Scorsese more and more that I watch him as a director. Um, and in this movie, like I said, this was the the first Scorsese film that I ever watched. And I'm not, I, like I said, it, The Godfather is going to be the 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 piece that you watch, the, the the dramatic piece that you watch for the the fictional story that it is. This to me, like I said, this is a real life story that has yep. real life characters and things that happened in a time, and that's really what I appreciate it more is because we're seeing the reality of certain things within the the, the mafia world. So 
I, I hats off to to him for for directing this. And you know, you're, you're always going to have those people on, on that say, "Hey, The Godfather is better than Goodfellas, and Goodfellas are better than The Godfather." They're two different to me. They're two different films, and how they're shot, how they're directed, and the stories in themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's completely different approaches to the right. same genre. And I mean, all the better for us because we have both of these great I can think now. of three Scorsese films, including this one. Uh, like The Departed, this, and then Gangs in New York are the three that I can think of. And I, w- I honestly would yep. say, I'm not saying that I dislike this movie, but this is, of the three, this is my least favorite. By far. But to be fair, Gangs in New York and Departed are movies that I like. So it's kind of hard to. <clears throat> okay, I mean that, that's fair. No, no I mean, one's no one's knocking you. Those choices. are not I mean, you're picking in any sense of the word top uh, Scorsese yeah, films. Those... This these are ha- those have to be the three top Scorsese films. And I love them. <laughs> I love them all for different reasons because yeah, so I think that Gangs in New York has one of the best yeah. villains of all time in it. And, I and think one of the best it, acting performances of all time. Yeah, one of the best acting performances of all time. And I think that uh, this this movie, because it's a true story, I mean, Gangs of New York is based on a true story, um, but it's fictionalized. And then uh, I think this is one of the better, you know, true life films that's out there. And then if you're talking about The Departed, it's got some of the, the, the best dialogue and characters and and Jack oh, Nicholson's portrayal so in that movie is really really great as well. So I mean, like I said, if you're talking top three Scorsese films, those have to be it. You can put them in any order you want. And you're not wrong on your opinion. Yeah, he does have some solid films that I, I mean, just I was looking at it and he's got. I also forgot about the fact that he did Wolf of Wall Street. That's a decent movie, but it wouldn't compare to the three of these ones. So. In my opinion, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in in a funny way, uh, I can see Wolf of Wall Street in a funny way. And Wolf of Wall like, Street is very uh, similar. Goodfellas, it's about this. Yeah, it's it's about this completely abhorrent uh, uh, person who you would not you know want to agree with. But Scorsese again does the same thing, puts you in the world and the mindset of these characters and does not try to tell you oh they are wrong he's like all right this is this is what you think is good well let's 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 yeah. live let's live our, our lives through their point of view and at the end it, it's the same thing he again just talks into the camera and goes well you know uh yes i did get to go to the jail except he was playing tennis in jail so even <laughs> People uh, who get busted, their their jail time is, yeah. is better than. I think one of the beautiful things that Scorsese so, does in all of his movies yeah, it's, is that he tells multi. He, he has a lot of characters, but he also mm-hmm. tells multiple stories within those characters. So we get the we get the Henry Hill story, but we also get Jimmy's story. We also get Tommy's story. We get Polly's story. Mm-hmm. Same thing in Gangs in New York. We get the background of of Bill the Butcher. We get you know the background of um Cameron Diaz's character and Leonardo DiCaprio's character and then in um The Departed we have a whole 
cast of characters that we have all this background noise going on. We get all that. He does a really good job of not just focusing on one person. We get a lot of stories within one movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to what you're saying about world building, right? Maybe that is part of world building. It's about, well, it's not just one person. You really want, if you, to really understand uh, Henry Hill, you really want to get to know more about Polly and uh, uh, Jimmy and all of these other characters right. who were around. So you see if how, you don't like, know them, like then Tommy you and Hill really and, Henry, and Henry were working. And that's what Scorsese gets. At young ages with each other. And you see that, you know, Jimmy's actually older than. Mm-hmm than henry hill so we, we, he's almost like a big brother yeah. to to both of them and in that scene when they you know they killed they whacked tommy yeah you have the the emotion that robert de niro's character is giving like he doesn't scream out in anger he gets he gets mad and like beats the phone booth up like and you know just basically nonchalantly says like they whacked him like they whacked him he just gets so mad like he just you know it's like no it's yeah it's a real almost emotional feel of like having a little brother that's gotten killed. Cause like Henry's sitting there going just like, he's yeah. just stunned. Like in like what? And like, they just, they're in, they're in the disbelief of what had happened. So, but you know that, that, that relationship from the beginning of how they all came together because we got that just enough of that young Henry story to know where he came from. And, how he met Jimmy and then how he met Tommy. Yeah. You know, I've this thought just keeps in my head now that I'm, we're thinking about Scorsese films and stuff. I think Ray Liotta does a good job in this movie, but I, I think it's pretty clear that Scorsese um, loves Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I know that the age wouldn't have been right. But now that I'm like, the more that I think about it, I'm like, how much better could this movie have been with DiCaprio playing really with this role? I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, look, I love DiCaprio and I, I'm happy that uh, DiCaprio reignited Scorsese's career in, in the in the 2000s because really that that's what happened because he had this slew of films that all had DiCaprio and really gave a whole another chapter for Scorsese. But some, I'm not saying that Ray Lear is a better actor than DiCaprio. No, 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 no. But in that specific role, there's something about his personality that fits that role to a T. I don't know if Devlin agrees on this, but I really feel like I don't think Ray Lear it is a role that anything better said he should play. honestly. I think that that role of Henry Hill was tailor made for yeah. Ray Liotta, and he he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it's a one hit wonder. I think. I mean, he was. Look, I feel bad saying that with, he was with in all the, the plastic movie, surgery. Movie, the movie surprisingly two days ago. We're like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was yeah, nice I mean, he to pops see up him every again. Once I was in a while like, hey, movies, you're like, oh, it's, it's Ray Liotta. But I'm Henry like, oh. and, good, and good, good fellas. It's Ray Liotta. I, and he was an identity, so you know he's been uh, he's he's been a co- couple of movies. Yeah, that, uh, I just I think that the this the, past couple of weeks, the Henry Hill character, I the really... real life Henry Hill character person was very complex, and how Ray Liotta yeah. portrays this is that he's a very lovable guy at first, and then we start to feel like he's kind of a scumbag, 
and he's he's you know he's not just a he's not a good human being at points mm-hmm. and part of it is you know the way he treats his wife and his friends and his boss and you know he starts you know mm-hmm. betraying his friends and even you know in the beginning he talks about you know you, you the only people you have are your friends uh or family and being the mob family so to speak but he he doesn't he's more about himself henry becomes exactly what he didn't want to become and that's you know uh all about him and and that that in itself is like i don't want to say poetic justice but i mean he backed himself into a corner because of all this right no i i see that that yeah the movie does a good job of portraying that but um let's move on to our favorite scenes um Viv, why don't you go first in your favorite scene? Sure. Um, I, okay. I do want to highlight a favorite moment first. Though. The when so Jimmy and uh, and Henry are talking to the uh, remember the guy who's basically who um, has a toupee uh, Morty. and always trying to sell something and get money from Jimmy. Morty, yes. So this is one of the earlier scenes where uh, uh, where Henry's trying to calm him down, and then Jimmy, you know, basically uses the phone wire to kind of uh, put it around his neck and basically go, "Will you just shut up?" And then Henry gets the call uh, from his then girlfriend, not wife yet, that uh, uh, her neighbor basically roughed her up, and so she he picks her up, and then they get to the house. And the way that scene plays out, uh, it's literally just maybe a minute long, but it's essentially just a one shot. You have uh, Rayleigh getting out of the car and the camera just follows him. And then he holds the gun in his hand. He gets to the guy and you then see the back of him. And then he just beats his face with that gun. And I've never, look, I've seen movies like John Wick, and I've seen these movies where you really get that. Uh, I mean, I love action movies, but there's something so cathartic about it. Really captures the rage of a man feels when something that right. that is theirs or that they feel personal is violated. Ray Liotta captures that. It's it's just in the way he walks. You can see that just kind of the rage simmering <laughs> beneath the surface. And it plays out so well, no, beautifully. I, I Every time I see it, I'm like, a, oh, that just feels too real. Well. I, I, I love the, the fact of how he's staring him down in the mirror. And the guy looks to see if he's turned around to look at him. But mm. at the same time, yes, the thought process of what you're going to do when you get out of that car and walk over there. So he was saying, he, I think the way the scene was trying to play yeah. out is that there's three people. He only wants to kick one of the guys' ass. Can't shoot him in broad daylight in his in his in his uh, soon to be wife's neighborhood. So I'll go over and I'll pistol whip the shit out of this guy. And right, I I, I it's gonna sound like bad, but the fact that he didn't stop pistol whipping him for the longest time, like it's drawn out, is like two good shots, maybe three would have been okay, <laughs> but he goes ballistic on him and just beats the living crap out of him. And then his friends are like, just stand there in awe, like they don't want no part of that. Like, hey man, don't shoot us. And he gets back and he takes the gun to Karen, right. and Karen hides it. And she, you know, we had that monologue over top of it, 
where she says, you know, most people would have ran, but I was, I gotta be honest, I was turned on by it. So it's like, that's in a very important scene because of how their relationship kind of was, and it was on the fence of where it was going. And then it shows, like, she feels, like, protected around him. Right. Right. Both of them are kind of turned on by the fact that Henry Henry Hill, you know, she, he did not pay attention to her until she finally basically, you know, stood up to him. And then clearly she uh, was not at all turned off by the and fact she'd never that, seen that side of could him. burst into violence at a moment's notice to protect but, her. Viv, what is your, what is your favorite yeah, exactly. I, I'm going to just... Um, I'm going to go with the the whole cocaine sequence. It's just such a fun little sequence. It's fun. It's weird to say it's fun, but it's just done so well. The music, the way it's edited, and just the mania that Henry is just kind of going through till he finally gets yeah. uh, caught by the uh, by the. I think it's the FBI. Uh, it's just so well done. I I love that sequence every time. Also, a shout out to the cooking scene <laughs> with the cutting of the um, garlic. So I'll good. go next. So, um, so good. My favorite scene is a very small one, but it's very powerful. Yeah. And it's when Henry goes to Polly at the end and Polly's cooking the sausage. And he's just kind of cooking the sausage mm-hmm. and talking to him. And, mm-hmm. and, and Henry's spilling his guts out to him and, and trying to basically put a feeler out there of what's going on, but also apologizing and doing all this. And Polly just hands him the money. And Ray Liotta has like this child love in the middle of that scene where he like takes a deep breath and kind of like, you know, whimpers because he knows <laughs> like that's the that's the last thing Polly's going to do for him. And he and Polly's just so stone faced about it. He's like, mm-hmm. that's what all I can do for you. Like nothing else matters you know what you do now i gotta yeah. wash my hands of you and he continues to cook his sausage turns his back on him just keeps going i, I always found that to be a very powerful scene in that movie and it's very small but it's it's so powerful about where henry has come from and the love that Polly showed him especially like jason said after the court scene he was there and he was cheering him on and then at the end he's yeah. like I got nothing for you anymore, kid. Take this money. Yeah, that is a powerful scene. Yeah, it, it definitely uh, um, yeah. was very poignant this time watching. Jason? It is a small scene, but it's very effective. I think my favorite Jason. scene is probably that scene that I discussed earlier with uh, him coming out of the courtroom. It seems uh, <laughs> It seems so genuine. And it was like a, it's rare that a a moment like that happens super early in a movie. You know what I mean? That's like such a genuine scene where you get that, like, like a, just that it's, it's like a, it felt like, like, like a sports movie kind of pride. Where like you know they're 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 all together and they're they're they have they've beaten the thing, and they're celebrating, and you you he looks out and and the people that that are in his his life proud of him 
And I don't know. I feel like it's the last thing I expected in a mob movie. <laughs> and so it kind of caught me off guard, but they did <laughs> such a great job yep. with it that I really enjoyed that scene. Like I, I even found like Skyland and I even just like, after it happened, we sat and discussed it for a little bit last night when we were watching the movie. So it's just like that that particular scene just kind of oh nice stuck out more than any other one. Um, and also uh, re shout back out to the guy getting a blowjob in prison. Sure. Um, that. <laughs> it's it's uh it just showed that, that, uh, it really made a difference a lot you, about huh? prison. I don't know why I just I laughed at that for some fucking reason. Uh, I laughed at it like both t- like n- when I when that popped up I was like huh. like it was like one of those more like the movie's like kind of serious and heavy you know to in part and I'm like huh. the guy's gonna blow you like yeah we're getting back to that courtroom scene real quick um the uh, I think that it's because how Henry. We, we we fall in love with that scene because how Henry was kind of shunned in his home by his by his father. Like you didn't really get like that wholesome family feel in his uh, Irish Italian home, and then for him to walk out, probably not expecting that everybody, including Polly, was going to be there waiting for him, made him feel special and made him feel loved. Um, by the family that he had worked so hard for because we really don't know that time frame in between when he started to when that courtroom appearance happened but you would think maybe it's a year or two and for them to to come and and make sure that he was okay and in reality they were probably there to make sure that he didn't rat so that on in all reality, thinking about it in, in gloomy terms, they were probably there to, to make sure he didn't rat. Plus, they also hired him an attorney. So he was gonna defend himself. If you see the attorney pulls him back, it's like, no, 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 come back your kid. Yeah. Mm, okay. That makes sense. Well, yeah, I mean you want to go with the more heartwarming one, so but I'll, I, I I'll mean go with I also the, have the more heartwarming it's, version. It's also the latter of that where he, yeah. you know, he didn't rat on his friends and they didn't have to pop some fifteen year old kid. Fair. Yeah. Um, favorite quotes, gentlemen. Uh, I will go first on this one. The quote is in when um, the yeah. the guy pulls up to the cab stand and they're all uh, you know joking around, and then Polly walks out and the Ray Liotta's doing the commentary over top, and it says, uh, "Polly may have moved slow." But it was only because Polly didn't have to move for anybody. <laughs> I remember that line. So good. That is a good line. Vu- so good. It, sets, it sets it up so good. And like it's such a it's a one line that makes you completely understand that character mm-hmm. to its to the fullest extent. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. And he lives up to that line. Yeah, even when uh, even when they're showing him eating like the the sausage at the cookout, like he's just sitting there, um, just very stone faced, and people are coming to him, and he didn't have to get up and talk to anybody. It's like you just keep seeing the 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 more building of that character in itself. 
Viv, what's yours? Yeah. Uh, mine are really the the two famous lines from the movie. The first one I'll I'll is the pretty much the opening line of the movie. It it goes on a freeze frame of uh, um, of Henry Hill, and then he goes. Then then the narration comes over as far back as I can remember. I always wanted to be a gangster. It's such an iconic line, and perfectly just starts the mu- the movie out because. You have that music cue that hits right there. That's a needle drop right there, and it just and you're off to the races, and uh, you're going to go on the Scorsese journey, which is a true life story, and it just hits all the marks from there. And then clearly, the uh, the whole scene with uh, uh, the the whole joking scene where he's asking about uh, how I'm, I'm funny, how I'm funny like a clown. Do I amuse you? It's I, I've already talked. talked yeah, about I, this, I wanted that to be my so favorite good. scene. It never gets old. And uh, um, just because of how animated Pesci is telling the story, and then the whole um, <laughs> the moment when the ice breaks and that tension. Yeah, and he's like, "Get the fuck out of here, Tommy!" And he's like, yeah, "I had him. I had him. You see him? He's over <laughs> himself." And you see me. <laughs> And his laugh is great. Really? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name momentarily, but uh, yeah, Ray Liotta's his his reactions are are really good in that scene too. So he, yeah. they they both really work well together. After his scene. outburst of laughter, are the reasons. That's the thing that draws me to having Leonardo's <laughs> role, because when I see that, and then I think about oh, okay. The, movie of like uh Django that same type of like vibe that has and the laughter there I could see that kind of that like mesh of him laughing as the the character in Django and then him laughing and Ray Liotta character laughing to that at that story I don't think it would I mean obviously I, I know DiCaprio is capable of being that over the top because Honestly, I think he's, my personal opinion, I think he's the greatest actor of our generation. So I think he's capable of doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. But Did you say you hadn't seen Django? I have not seen Django, no. I thought we've been over this. I haven't seen, like, Hmm. almost all of of What's-His-Face's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tantine. I've only seen, like, Kill Bill one and two, and then the two you made me watch them. You, you know, maybe this is the thing. I think DiCaprio might be too pretty for the role. He, I can almost it's it's just like I, I I'm trying to imagine him in with the rest of that cast, and he would just stick out like a sore thumb just because. He's just a look. He's an A-lister Hollywood actor. He really is the poster child of. I mean, not that his roles are just you know, he he does like great roles and he has great acting chops. I'm not saying that any of that is not true. It is. I'm just trying to imagine his good looks and then putting that into a role where it it is a real life story and you have all these. I don't know. I, he might be too much of a pretty boy to yeah. in that movie. 
can he he does well at playing you know a kind of the underdog in a story kind of kind of sense because you know in in a sense that that's that's the way the character starts off in a sense you know and sure. I feel like he does such a good sure. job of playing that role that yes I mean. I honest, I, I mean, DiCaprio is a really attractive dude. You know what I mean. So I get, I get what you're saying there, but like, I don't think Ray Liotta's character is supposed to be not attractive. Like, I don't. I'm not saying that I think he's an attractive dude in that particular movie, but like, I don't get the sense from the way he's portrayed in this movie that he's supposed to be, you know, like an ugly dude. Well, have you Googled Ray Hill? Like, Hill? Yeah, I have. I've, I've actually been, I've spent most of the time <laughs> that we've been on here, like listening to this and having this conversation and also researching the real life version of the story. Um, and yes, in that case, you're right. But if, it, if, if we're going by that, then the real yeah. life Henry Hill Ray Liotta is too damn attractive. Right? <laughs> okay, no, okay, fair, fair is fair. I, uh, I, maybe I'm not giving enough credit for what uh, DiCaprio can do as far as a transformation into this role. Uh, you, you might be right on that count. Look, Steve Martin what? played a version of Henry Hill, so there's that. <laughs> Which is, yes, I just found that out like an hour ago. So there's another movie that came out literally the same year. It's called My Blue Heaven. And it kind of is also based off of Henry Hill because it, it picks up on the story of uh, Henry uh, going into the witness protection. And so it kind of focuses on that. And it's a comedy. It's a, it's a comedy. But it's, 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 it, the jumping so... off point was Henry Hill. Which is the strangest thing in the world, and I've seen that movie. It's a, it's a pretty good movie. I saw it a long time ago. I had no idea that it had. It's any one month later. It's got Rick Moranis in it too. It came out one month after Goodfellas did. That's really weird, but I'm very intrigued by it. Not because I don't. I mean, I'm sure I'll get hate from this, but I don't really find Steve yeah. Martin funny. <laughs> I will. Um, um, I can, oh that, yes, that, I'll stand first in line to give you that hate. What do you have to say? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't find him funny either. You're gonna catch heat from me. Um, but I do like Rick Moranis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It's, I call it the '90s kid in me. I think. I'll have. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Little South yeah. Horrors. Ghostbusters, Rick Moranis. You know, oh, and you know. oh, he's you cool. know, you remember I, Ghostbusters? I like Ghostbusters. Speaking of Ghostbusters, uh, yeah. In okay, this right. is a random side note, but uh, yeah. Fortnite just added Ghostbusters skins, so now I get to play Fortnite as a Ghostbuster. My life is awesome. awesome. Yeah, fucking way awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and right now, if you die, you turn into a ghost, and then you have to fight the ghost versions of those people. 
So right now I am a Ghostbuster fighting ghost in this video game. So right. I'm super. I'm, like whatever, my life's complete. Jason, did you give a favorite quote? I, mean, <laughs> I can't. Okay. There you go. I don't know if I did. No, oh, yes, he did. Yeah. I don't think I did. I don't. I don't know that I have a particularly favorite quote in the movie, but I do second Vivian's um, as far back as I can remember. I always wanted to be a gangster. That line is also in the trailer of this movie, and it is such a perfect line to start off this film. So I will definitely give it credit in that, in that regard for sure. Yep. Um, favorite performances, gentlemen. Joe Pesci. Just going to give a hands down to Joe Pesci. It's so strange that there's a movie with Robert De Niro in it, and we barely talked about Robert De Niro. I mean, that's how pop, that's how great of a cast this movie has, and Joe Pesci clearly steals the movie. Ray Liotta is really good. There's a bunch see. Of I would argue movies, that. I don't think I think De Niro does such a great job of blending into the role that you don't notice that he's you don't it's like you don't notice Mm. he's there and that to me is I think really a sign of like brilliant acting in it because like he's not overshadowing anybody but that's not the nature of that character right he's he's not a he's not meant to be Right. You know, over the That's top, like argument. what Joe Pesci yeah. is. And I'm not not discrediting Pesci because I, I think he's phenomenal, but I think De Niro does just a, a phenomenal job of playing the character. That he's so smooth the entire length of this film, and the way that mm-hmm. you <clears throat> you see him, you see how he behaves in this movie, and then I think you got to got to give credit to. Ray Liotta for the fact that he's playing a character who was in part raised by Jimmy, you know what I mean? To, to an extent. And you see that same type of smoothness come along in him, especially in that scene where they go into the Copacabana. And I feel like it's like he, he, he mm-hmm. does a good job of playing a character who was raised by another character who's very much in this movie and, you know, and Polly and, and the mob in, in general, the, I think Ray Liotta does a phenomenal job of, of capturing the essences of the other characters in this film that essentially raised him and focusing that into the character that he portrays. So, <clears throat> yeah, uh, okay. That, that's that's a really good point. How you're connecting those two elements? Uh, De Niro has always been really good at. He's the master of subtlety. Just the little things that he'll do, like the details that he'll add to his characters' mannerisms, that just kind of speaks volumes. Yeah, kind of like the opposite of Pacino. Pacino can go super strong as far as just he can be this just thunder and lightning. He can just tear the screen apart with his how powerful his performance can be. And De Niro usually he's, goes the opposite direction. I mean, and he's, he's he, I mean, De Niro, a lot of times when he plays characters that are, you know, and, mobsters and, and 
powerful, you know, criminals and, and even cops really, there's a there's a certain amount of fear that you he is able to put into you as the viewer of him on screen. Like 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 I understand that De Niro's an actor. Yeah. But there's a small part of me that's fucking terrified of him. Like just in general, and that's just that's just facts. Like if I saw that dude, he there's a part of me that just he scares the shit out of me. Never watch Cape Fear then. <clears throat> you wanna see you wanna see scary Robert De Niro? Oh Cape Fear. Yeah, that's a Cape yeah. Fear. Which is another Scorsese. <laughs> Cape Fear is disturbing. Um Jason, did you give a solid yeah, another Scorsese film? Uh, I don't know. I think that there's some. I think there's a the the three main cast members do such a great job. It's hard for me to to pick between them all. I do. I think that I got to give it to Ray Liotta though, simply because of the argument that I made for him in in regards to it. Because I think he just does a great job of yeah. of portraying all of the characters in yeah. one character in a sense. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I um. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Jason. This and I was gonna I was going I was going Pesci, and then I rewatch you know rewatching this movie, I really focused on mm-hmm. Ray Liotta's performance uh, as a whole um, because he is the main character, of course. But I think that to have the acting chops like De Niro there with you and uh, Pesci, I think that he really outshined them. In this performance, and just how you you see the the evolution of that character too, because he's kind of he's not a hothead at first, um, like Tommy. He's not he's not smooth and suave like Jimmy is, and then Jimmy kind of has a hot has hothead moments too. But he's kind of calculating, cerebral at the same time. But then you see that in in Henry Hill's character as it evolves, as he learns from uh, the people around him. And I see that in Ray Liotta's character, where you know you see spats of violence, and you see the down downward spiral into drugs and and the money, and then when he's in prison, he has those um, those same qualities as well. So uh, I really focused on that. I I, I do want to give um, a shout out to Lorraine Bracco too. I think that she did a phenomenal job as Karen, and how her the evolution of her character was. Because she's a very strong female character in this movie. Mm-hmm. As much as she doesn't want to, you know, leave the lifestyle, she still has moments where she stands up to Henry and has shouting matches with Henry. And she's very, very good, strong female character in this movie. And th- and she's really the only main one other than like the uh, the mistresses. But she, you know, of course, she stands out between the three of them. But I think that. She she gives a very great performance, and I've always liked her acting. So um, I, I got to give her a secondary, but the main one I'm picking is Ray Liotta. <clears throat> I do think that it's interesting yeah. that Can go wrong when you look, look at her character and the this the only other movie that I can think of that I can compare it to is a character that's similar would be. In the Godfather, you see, I can't think of what her name is, but the K, yeah, her character and how she compares to Kay. 
the you know the Godfather and, and Al Pacino's character in that that movie, how she compares to them. I feel like Kay becomes very submissive throughout everything and just becomes, you know, basically like a pushover. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Karen is never that. Down to the very end of the film, that woman will <clears throat> yeah. fight Henry Hill on fucking tooth and nail if she feels like the, the conviction to do so. So you gotta, I got to kind of give her props in that regard because, to be fair, Pacino's character in The Godfather is a much more terrifying character than Henry Hill ever could dream of being. But <clears throat> still, the, the amount of, of <laughs> violence that he could easily bring down upon her is not un, un you know, not, not, uh, not, not similar. You know, it's, it's definitely, he could, he could definitely do the same kind of same shit just maybe not as calculated it's and as, it's, it's, as it's present. fucked up as, as you know, Pacino's yeah. character could. But uh, it's interesting to see that uh, that she remains strong the whole time. And I feel like a lot of other characters that are female in, in gangster movies end up going the more submissive route, you know, kind of beaten down by the game. And she never, she never gets there. <clears throat> so I appreciate that. Yeah, she, uh, she clearly stands up for herself throughout the entire movie. Right. I mean, not that what happens to her is any good, but ratings, gentlemen, she's not a passive character. I'll make this easy. It's, uh, I will second it's one of the great movies. movies. I'll give it one a of the great well. movies ever made, so I'll give it a 10 easy. I don't know. I, I'm debating on a 9 and a 9.5. And, <laughs> oh. well, well, fuck. What if I uh, told you well, it's one of the well, great movies? Hold on. I, I think I know what Jason's dilemma is. I, I I gave The Godfather a 10, too. And I gave <laughs> The Godfather a 10. I look at the movies in two different lights. So The Godfather in itself is a, a completely different type of movie to me, even though it is a mobster movie. It is a completely different feel, a completely different thing in my mind. Whereas Goodfellas has a completely different story, a completely different way it's shot. Everything else about it is completely different, but it's still such a great movie. Just the same as The Godfather. I put them both up on the pedestal. I almost think of Godfather uh, more as a family. It's like it's like like on the same level as to watch like a family family friendliness. (laughs) Like sit down with the kids. It's. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you mean you, 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 you yeah, you, uh, you know, you, you sit at a table. Do you want breaking my heart? Do you want Godfather Part Two or One? What are you thinking here? <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. I, I meant you're breaking my heart here. What do you choose? You're gonna break my heart, so be careful. No, I mean this. 
the Godfather saga really centers around the Corleone family. And I really see it from that prism. And you really kind of get to see the rise and fall of that family. And yes, it is cloaked in the gangster genre and the Italian, uh, Italian you know, culture. But here you're really seeing more of a lifestyle and then you're seeing these specific characters. And I see that's how I kind of differentiate why these are uh, distinct films that is, you know, they have some elements that they're copying from one another, especially Goodfellas because it came afterwards, but they're still their own things. It's completely different um, set of I think, uh, paintings. I think one of the things that... Uh, kind of painting. So I didn't know, or I didn't realize it was based on a true story until you guys said it here on the podcast, but um, so I think one of the things that I find difficult with it Mm. Uh, and placing my rating is I felt like while I was watching it yesterday there was no I didn't get a I didn't get that like while I I guess I do get it but I I didn't get the, the, the same type of like story structure that I expected out of the movie, you know, I didn't get the, the the central conflict and who was the good guy and the bad guy, and it just was like a it was just a biographical piece, right? And so at the time, I didn't really realize that that's what I was watching, right? So I kind of struggled through it. To there's a small part of me that was like. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's the conflict in this fucking movie? Like, it didn't. It didn't make. There wasn't like a central thing that was going on. Whereas in like the Godfather, I got one specific story, and it felt, you know, perfect. This one gave me like, it was like, okay, I'm watching this character. And I'm watching his life, but like, what kind of what story are you trying to tell me other than the story of this dude's life? And so I don't, I didn't never really got that. Like, okay, the, the, there's the distinct conflict that we're trying to resolve, and we're gonna we're gonna we're building up to this thing, and then we're you know we're getting the climax and the fall. I never really felt like we got that in this movie. I mean, yes, there is the the climax, so to say, of him, you know, getting busted for the drugs and all that stuff and then going into witness protection and stuff. And that's like the, you know, the, the final conclusion. But I never felt like I got that full, you know, rise and fall that I would get out of a, out of like a movie like The Godfather or even most movies in general. It just felt like, the entirety of the movie was level planed. Well, I think with The Godfather, honestly, you get enough comments. You're not really getting a rise to fall. You're getting a uh, just basically coming into power because the story c- continues to go on, whereas this one is a, a rise and then a fall. So, I mean, it, it's all how you want to tell a story and how you like a story to be told. So I mean I'm not trying to sell you on the God, you know the Goodfellas at all. I mean it you, you know, of course you watch the movie but you have to look at it in the perspective of 
the differences in the stories where we're seeing uh you know the 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 al pacino character in the godfather it's it's a coming not a coming of age but a coming of power story whereas we see the henry hill and, and you can take it for what it is you can make in your mind henry to be the villain because he really is a bad guy um what he does between his character and you know to his wife we don't ever really see him whack anybody Mm -hmm. um but we see you know the people around him are bad people so it's almost like you can you can like make your uh make your own uh choice on on whether you want to root for the guy or you want to to see the guy get what's coming to him no, I mean it's it's just. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of stories like that that you mm, really that, don't want to root that's, for. Yeah, okay, go on, go on. The bad guy, but there's sometimes if you're watching like a horror movie and there's a really shitty character in the horror movie, you're like, God, I just can't wait till this fucking well, Jason Voorhees kills this person because I'm tired of fucking listening to him because they're such just a bad person. You're like, and then if they there's, don't get there's in the movie, always like, one of those people. Yeah, there's always one of those. So I mean, but you you find yourself rooting for the person that you shouldn't be rooting for. And it's the same movie because you find yourself rooting for Henry to kind of maybe get out of this lifestyle and turn himself around. He's so close and he keeps tell- saying in the movie that like, if I get this one last Pittsburgh deal, you know, we're going to have enough money and da 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 It all comes crumbling around him and then you feel bad for the guy again. So it's kind of an emotional roller coaster about how you feel about this character. Now, Tommy, we can all say, okay, Tommy being around him seems like a good guy. But we see how violent and disgusting Tommy can be. I mean, shooting a guy because uh, he told him to go fuck himself at a card game because Tommy was busting his balls. Like, even even his friends were like, "That's unnecessary." Like, in the very most cold blooded way, they were like, "That's unnecessary. Why'd you do that? Like, you busting your balls. Like, now you have to dig the hole." <laughs> like, it, we see that, and then the Jimmy character were kind of like. We're kind of like we don't know too much about him, but we see the violent side of, of Jimmy every once. In a while. Like he's very smooth and calculating, and and how he 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 owns room even in the in the narration. Like he talk about how he owned the room when he walked in, and he was tipping people and everything else. But then we see that side of Jimmy, where like he's holding up the truck and he's basically telling the guy like, "We know where you live," kind of thing. We see that you know psychotic side of him. But not as bad as, you know, Tommy, for instance. And then Polly, we see how just he doesn't have to say much, you know, just kind of owns a room without actually having to do anything. And then the Lorraine Bracco character of Karen, we see how strong she is. And, and again, the ev- evolution of her character. So it's it's really about how what you hone in on as as a, a moviegoer and how you feel about it and choosing what you want to to, to root for or what you want to see in, in the end of this movie. You know, okay, maybe a different way of putting that emphasis is the Godfather, I see it as a very traditional three-act story. So you have a, a very traditional beginning, middle, and end with a uh, a a, a central theme and uh, a central uh, a event that's taking place that you can clearly follow through. And it's done perfectly. Goodfellas and pretty much a lot of Scorsese movies, he's way more interested in characters than 
per se plot. Uh, he's more interested in like following a character's journey. And so that can, you're right, it, it might not follow that traditional uh, movie structure where you can get, oh yeah, what is that conflict I'm supposed to be paying attention to? Because Scorsese is paying way more time just going, well, look at this character and look at this character and look at this character and how, look at how they are acting together <coughs> in, uh, in this scene. Uh, but I, I, I completely see what you're uh, getting at, uh, Jason, as far as having that little bit of uh, uh, discrepancy from... Well, but then again, you... Having that feeling yeah, of I mean, if you, missing I mean, again, we talked uh, from about, a Scorsese film um, that is in a you know, traditional film. in New York and, and The Departed. Both of those have a very sane story structure. I know what the fuck. Mm. I mean, it definitely builds, it builds to a climax. Uh, the entire time, I mean, it is, it is building up to this yes point and, no. and you know that it's building up to that point. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Whereas this one, I don't and feel I was, like I was, I was not a fan of the, the ending of gangs of New York. And, and yeah. I love that movie, but the ending sometimes when I watch it again, I'm like, God, I wish I got more out of that ending. The ending does is feels a little abrupt, and I don't know something about it quite doesn't land for me. But I again, for me, the thing I like about Scorsese films are they are really character studies. They are not for like really tight plots and with some central conflict. Um, yes. I, I think for example, Godfather is a much better representation of that. So it, it really is about what, what type of flavor you prefer as, um, a, as a movie. I film. think after what, what speaks to I you more. I think I decided to give it a nine. I, I enjoyed the movie. I don't think it was a, I mean, it, a nine's a good rating, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean that's ultimately that's your decision. It's not it's not a vivid Ghostbusters yep. rating, so I'm not upset. Yeah, it's 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 upset. Well no Mad, Mad Max. Max there we go. And, yeah, and, and it's not uh you guys' Mad Max rating, so I'm not upset. That literally I've literally never seen a rating more just than our rating of Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> well, Except for when we all well, rated uh, Batman Begins at ten. Kindly disagree. Those are the that's about the those are the two comparative ratings on here. <laughs> uh, that was a great episode. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a great moment too. Let's uh, let's move anyway, on to segment we should, two. We should bring folks. the segment to a close. Uh, we'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to segment two of your favorite movie podcast, Know Your Cinema. I am Jason Quinn, if you remember from the last segment. Um, the other two guys, Vivian and Devlin, are still here. Um, yep. This is a segment that we like to call Get to Know, Know Your Cinema. Um, in this segment, one of our, us proposes a question and then we have a sometimes lengthy discussion about said question. This week's question goes, uh, comes to us from Mr. Devlin Clements. All Devlin. right. All right. 
This will be easy for you guys. So we've watched mobster movies, a couple of them, and there's always a theme around sometimes there's food in the mobster movie. Tell me what your favorite Italian meal is. If you can sit down and have the perfect Italian meal, what is your favorite Italian meal? I just moaned. Did I? Did you guys catch that? I don't. Um, <laughs> if we could cut that, if we could cut that from the. <clears throat> uh, no, I will Italian. not. I will not. We will not cut that. That's staying in. Oh, that Italian be food. Is... That should be like the right before everybody starts talking. It should be the <laughs> Mm. Oh. Uh, the <laughs> Italian food is just the best. Did you, did you just do you, you just get an Italian accent? I I didn't try to. Oh, if it oh. happened, it happened. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, the, the, with the, your shirt and your collar back of the line. The, uh, <laughs> just a little bit, just slipping through that. Okay, go. Cool. I mean, you know that like Italian food has garlic bread. All right, is there truly a better food than garlic bread? I mean, it's just such a perfect, like garlic bread. Uh, garlic, well, bread with yeah. garlic butter. Garlic, but look, I mean, Italian foods. One of the central ingredients in Italian food is garlic. Well, right? Yeah, I know. Oh yeah, and of course. Is there a better fucking flavor? No. Well, there can be. There can be too much garlic. I'm. I'm not saying that there couldn't be too much. That there can't be too much garlic. But I'm saying that the flavor of garlic is the greatest fucking flavor. Like one of them, yeah. yes. Oh my god! You put that shit with potatoes. Get the fuck out of here. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I I'm struggling to answer this question, but I am now very hungry. Um, <laughs> there's I so we much... talked about food, and I, and and I love Italian food too. Oh my to god, it's so good. Every I like most things Italian except for eggplant parmesan and uh spaghetti, just straight spaghetti. Um but I, I mean I'll I'll go ahead and answer this. So I love um I love baked ziti. And I don't know, just something about baked ziti with the cheese on top and just letting it cool a little bit to get it's got that mozzarella on it that gets like chewy. Not like it's not like you know, it's not pull apart, but it just like I don't know, I can't describe it. It's almost like the top of a pizza. Hmm. It gets chewy. Um and it's gotta have good flavors in it. I like garlic bread, but I like garlic bread when it's just like an Italian bread, but then they give you garlic butter to put on the bread so the butter's still it's not soaked into the bread, it's still got that good texture to it. And then finish it off with some cannoli. Ooh. And oh, and yes. a good um, a good mule, uh, like a, a, a vodka based cranberry mule to top it off. I'm not a wine person, so that's what I would drink with uh, my Italian food. It's actually almost the exact order I get at Spaghetti Warehouse. I, I feel like it. you describing that meal was like the most sexual thing that's happened to me on this podcast. <laughs> um, it was just like. Like my whole body was just like it was a yeah, full out of body experience. Yeah, <laughs> I had fully yeah. submitted to the to the Italian cuisine. Yeah, and it was just gonna it was gonna take me. You know what I mean? And it was just gonna. And yeah, no, no, I get it. Uh, Italian, Italian, two things: 
that I absolutely love above just like Italian pasta, Italian cold cuts. So like gabagool, salami, Italian cold cuts are where it's at, and Italian no, 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 pastries. No. So like, uh, uh, those fucking donuts. Yeah, Italian pastries oh. with the lemon, with a little lemon zest in them. Oh. Um, we're the talking fuck about Swedel. Oh God, Swedel and uh, cannoli. Those are my. Uh, Oh, cannolis! Yeah, those are those are uh, my kryptonite, man. Get me, get me in front of some shuyadel and some uh, some cannoli, and it's 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 done day. I love tiramisu too. That shit's fucking bomb. Tiramisu is, oh, is also where it's at. Oh yes, well. yes, tiramisu. Yes, cannolis <clears throat> and tiramisu's. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Viv, that shit is bomb. Before Jason um, has a has a another child over there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> he might be pregnant already. Yeah, I was saying it's a food baby. Uh, oh, it's oh, right there with you. Before he, he uh, gets her pregnant <laughs> again, I go ahead and give me the um, give me your favorite Italian meal. Christ, I look. I'm not well versed like you. I mean, the way you described Italian dishes, I mean, you need to have your own channel <laughs> network. I, 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 you know, honestly, I've never made. ZD myself. I have the Sopranos cookbook upstairs in my kitchen, and I've been wanting to bust out the baked ZD and ba- make it one time, but I've just not never had the guts to do it because I'm just afraid it's gonna like come out terrible. But uh, I don't know, man. I just when I go and I, I when I, I'm like a foodie, so when I go out and I look at something and I have it for the first time, I kind of stick with it. So Italian I think that's food, one of my favorite things about Italian food is that fucking. You can make it amazing, but as long as you have like a basic knowledge of cooking, you can make decent Italian food. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not that hard to make decent like Italian food that we're used to here, but you can go above and beyond and make Italian food that's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go the opposite direction. Keep it super simple. I, um, spaghetti and meatballs when it's done really well. I I mean it, it does it for me. Uh, there's another one. This this is a complete surprise because I was in a town that I did not know anything about. Um, just happened to walk into a restaurant that was a pretty authentic Italian restaurant and. Uh, uh, really like just serve up whatever you have. They uh, and they gave us some bruschetta, and it was just authentic mm, um, bruschetta. And I swear to God, I did not think flavors like this could exist. They fry, in such did they an... fry it up, or did they just serve it like cold? You know, it was cold. Oh, nice. And it, I mean, it. I was like, how can things so simple taste so good. It, it didn't look like there was something fancy here. It's a garlic. But it was just the... <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so good. That's like that's like eating like capicola salami, which is the slang term is gabagool. Uh, oh, by the way, you you uh, gave me a taste of the, ga- gabagool, the gabagool once. Yeah. yeah you, you, uh, I remember that. Man, those things. Ah, so good. I mean, those are flavors. Yeah. You, once in a while, will... Something will. It's like you get it's a like taste steak of something, of the, and you're like, the, "Oh, the cold cut world." Yep, and it's like, "Okay, oh, yeah, that's not going to leave yeah. me." Yeah, those flavors are going to go go with me to my deathbed. Yeah. No, that's good. What would what would your dessert be? What would you choose? Oh, I already said. I mean, tiramisu, 
the hands down absolutely cannolis i i remember having the first cannolis when uh, i went to visit my cousins up in <coughs> michigan and uh, oh there's a that's not, that's not what we say that. here in columbus you're supposed to say that that state up north you're not supposed to actually say that uh, oh right the fuck out of here yes yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah shall not be named uh, the state up north that shall not be named uh, i was uh, at a bakery there, and that's the first time I had can- uh, cannoli. And this is the this is the great thing about having like signature Italian dishes. You remember the first time you had them. So there are certain Italian dishes I remember the first time I've had them. And the cannoli at that bakery shop was everything. It was so good. I'm not saying that might be the best cannoli, but it was the first time I had cannoli, and it was definitely life changing. Yeah, but you gotta have good cannoli because I've had I've had bad cannoli before where it just is like cream cheese yep. in in a uh, in, yeah in, in, a, in a in a cinnamon covered tube and it's like whoa you gotta get the yeah that you gotta get the ricotta ricotta cheese the mm-hmm. Italian ricotta cheese and make it into like almost like a cheesecake pastry put yep. it in there oh so good with chocolate chips on the end no almonds because I'll die. But yeah, Ooh, <sighs> cannoli, man. I, I, there's that Adino's Italian Bakery here in Columbus. For anybody listening in Columbus, they are an Italian bakery, and they serve donuts, some of the best donuts on the planet. Jason's mm-hmm. had them. Oh, my cannoli, God. Cannoli. I've literally never had a better donut bread. in my fucking life. Hands down. All of them have just the hint of lemon zest in it. It's so fucking good. I got to make a trip there sometime, probably this weekend. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, now that we're talking about it, I'm like, you know what? I don't really have anything wrong in a while. I'm yeah. Like, uh... I'd never been so hungry on a podcast. <laughs> All right. Jason, um, what's your um what's your go to Italian meal? Or if you had like a last last meal and it could be Italian, what would you choose? It's a toss up for me. It'd either be something I make. Okay. Or it would be specifically because I've never had it done any better. I used to be in this band back in the day and the, the bassist mom used to be like the cook for everybody. Right. Cause we, we practiced at his house in the basement. Uh, actually it was on the third floor. This dude was <laughs> stupid rich. Uh, <laughs> like I'm talking super, super, super stupid rich. Um, but uh, so anyway, we were we we're practicing. We'd practice there, and then we'd go downstairs after practice, and we'd eat. And she used to make this chicken Alfredo, and it was like homemade chicken Alfredo. And like she used hand shaved Parmesan, and well, just about the hard cheese. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, like there was nothing like it. Like I've never had it. Like I've eaten Parmesan. I've eaten. Chicken Alfredo, a hundred other places, and I've been on a quest for this same type of flavor my entire life, but it's never been as good as hers. Nice. So it would either be that, <clears throat> or I make pasta myself, and I doctor it up. I like to use, uh, preferably if I could, which most of my kids would complain, I would prefer to use... Uh, a half ground beef, half Italian sausage kind of mixture, uh-huh, uh-huh. right? And then 
There's a roasted garlic and herb sauce that I mix in there. I add additional garlic uh, to the, while I'm cooking it, browning up the food, I put some diced garlic in there. <clears throat> mix the sauce together. I put that in a penne pasta. And then I take a block of cream cheese and I dice it into little cubes. And then I put that in with the, with the pasta. And uh, then you stir it together. The sauce gets a nice orange color. But it's real creamy. It's like a vodka sauce. Yeah, like a vodka sauce. Uh, mm. It's super creamy. Um, and then I like to put a little bit of shredded uh, Colby Jack over top of the whole thing and then just let that melt on top of it. A um, little sprinkle of Parmesan cheese. I was with you so you put Colby Jack on it. I was with you. That's just that's just me. I'm not. I mean, I, it's just usually, but that's what I have in my house. I would probably go like if I, I shredded mozzarella would be really good too on top of it. Um, fresh mozzarella, stuff you have to yeah, cut little, that's thick, or little, little little fresh mozzarella balls. Yeah. Um, if I was a little if I was a little wealthier when it comes to my pasta, I would probably go that route, but. Nonetheless, I am not. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, some fresh. I like my garlic bread. Like, so there's there's a place called for, I don't know if they have them everywhere, but here we have Fazoli's, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The breadsticks there are the most dripping in garlic butter breadsticks that exist on the planet. They're a heart attack in stick form, but they are fucking amazing. So if I was making my last Italian meal, I would have those breadsticks because they're so fucking good. <laughs> what about your dessert, sir? And that would be a tiramisu. Um, the only thing that I think that this place does well that's here in Columbus, so if you're listening around here, I used to work there. The only thing that I will give them credit for on doing well is their tiramisu, and that is um, Buca de Beppo. I think that that place is bland, but their tiramisu is really good. Their cannolis aren't bad, but their tiramisu is about uh, – <clears throat> about the best thing that they have. In there. I recommend the stuffed shells there. I have to. I'm not a big fan of theirs either, but I recommend the stuffed shells if you go there. They taught me a lot. I, they taught me a lot about like working there in the kitchen. I learned a lot about you know cooking <laughs> Italian food, but I like I said, I think it's too bland of a food. I don't. I don't feel like it's. I don't feel like you can call yourself. An authentic Italian restaurant, and put food on the table that tastes like water. So <clears throat> that is a fault I have some sometimes encountered with certain Italian restaurants. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, that, no, I, I get it. Yep. Uh, I I forgot to mention lasagna. Lasagna is another good one. I know it's like basic, but I mean Beth makes a 
great lasagna. You know what? We haven't made that in a while. That needs to be. Yeah, you could just you could just call me menu, so. and I'll just run that. She so can leave it on the porch. I'll just come down. Oh, just, you know, done. If I if I haven't gobbled it all up, you know, I bet I'll make sure I message Beth and be like, look, if you make lasagna, I have to get a piece. Okay. Right. I haven't experienced Beth's lasagna, but of the cooking of hers that I have experienced, I can say her lasagna is probably amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Also, I don't think I'm like, living, I don't think I've eaten of Beth's is those power balls. And makes. they're fucking bomb, dude. And yes, they are delicious. Yeah, it has been a hot minute since uh, we've had those. <laughs> here, so, oh, I I think the Italian is, be, is it a Vigo running? It is a Vigo. Vigo's up. All right. All right, uh, Jason, do you have the wheel ready, sir? I it's like three feet away from me, but yes, okay. I've got it. Very good. So uh, this was a movie off of your list this week. So me and Vivin have uh, decided to add another movie to your list. Uh, Vivin, will you do the honors and tell Mr. Quinn what he gets to put on his wheel? Uh, the movie that I believe that once is on the wheel and the wheel is going to pick for next week is Django Unchained. Django. <laughs> I had a feeling. Well, no, we switched it. We had we had another movie picked. We had a whole another movie, which I'm absolutely excited. No, I'm sorry. I, no, I I I, 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 I assumed that once I mentioned that I hadn't seen it earlier in the podcast, that that's one the one that would be on the pod there on here. Oh yeah, yeah you yeah. sealed the deal. You sealed absolutely. the deal as soon as you said it. Yeah, I had a feeling. All right, Jason. Okay. Would you like to go over the wheel and the rules of the wheel? All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. The wheel is a 10-space wheel of epic circus-like proportions. Among yes. the 10 spaces, there are three movies that I have not seen, three movies Vivian ha- has not seen, and three movies that Devlin has not seen. And then there is a... Wait, 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 wait. You have not... Look, there might be first-time listeners among us. You need to tell us about the wheel itself. Is it not true that this wheel is in your backyard? It was constructed over a period of a year. Yes. And then, and is it true that somebody even died during the construction? Several, actually, several people died during several construction. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so a lot, a lot of work. Yeah, it's this, wheel. this is not a this is not a for the faint of heart kind of a situation here. Um. He's risking his life every time he spins Absolutely. the wheel. It's kind of a dangerous instrument, Absolutely. but uh, he does it. He knows the danger. And I still do it for you. Um, you do. The final intense space on here is the fan pick space. Right? Um, yes. Hey, real quick pause, right? Uh, we had mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, so this could be edited out probably. We had mentioned earlier um, in conversation that we wanted the fan pick section to be the fans pick from two movies and then we change Three it each movies. week or something. Three movies? Yes. Are we trying to still do that? 
Uh, yes. So it'll be, it'll be, uh, the three movies, uh, that we, we can just pick three random movies. It doesn't even mean that we, if we've seen them or not, like each of us will pick a movie. Okay. And then we'll put it up on the poll and then the next week we'll pick three random movies. So if you want to, if you want to put up the, the poll or whatever, or not the poll, but the, you can put that in there for the space. So are we, am I telling the people what uh, the three movies are or the poll is just already on our Facebook or what? We, we can all just pick three. We can all just say the fans pick. If it lands on this, you'll have to choose between these three movies. So and the then, land. Each of us can pick a movie and we can just say, here it is. Gotcha. Okay. okay. All right. So uh, we'll come back real quick. we we'll do a little quick pause so that we can edit this in okay. a little bit. Let me give you a countdown. Yeah, go ahead. Three, two, one. The tenth and final space, the fan pick space, um, is a very special spot on the wheel. It has a one in ten chance of coming up as well. And <clears throat> if we land on the fan pick space, uh, each of the three of us will pick a random movie, and there will be a poll of those three movies, and then you would get to pick from those three movies which one we are watching that very next week. So, without any further ado, the movies that are on the wheel and then the spinning of it. The three movies Vivian has not seen are Chasing Amy, Major League, and Scream. The three movies that I have not seen are Braveheart, JFK, and Django Unchained. The three movies that Devlin has not seen are Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Frozen, and Knives Out. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Well, it's a fan pick. Okay. So... Devlin, a movie, sir. Uh, Phantasm. Vivian? Uh, you go. I need a yeah. second. Um, I'll go with Zombieland. Wow. Very nice. Zombieland, okay. You know what? Uh, I'll go with a completely weird one that's popped in my head. It's not a weird movie. It's a great movie. Uh, but never thought about it before the second. The Matrix. Okay. Solid picks. Okay, so we've got Phantasm, Zombieland, and The Matrix. It's going to be an interesting podcast. Yes. And by yeah. the time you probably hear this, the poll will already be up on our social media platforms. Actually, it will probably have already been gone to be honest with you. That too, probably. So if you haven't followed us already on our social media platforms, make sure that you do, because we will be putting this this up tomorrow in our real time, which is actually a week before this episode airs. Yes. So if you want to be a participant in all future polls and whatnot, make sure you follow us on our social medias, facebook.com slash KYC podcast on Instagram and Twitter at KYC podcast. Um, and I'm going to put the poll up on my personal TikTok, um, which is at Mr. Jason Quinn. 
<clears throat> so you can you can follow me there and uh, find that as well. So any of those spaces are good places to vote for uh, for us. Um, <clears throat> so you know, I think the interesting thing is when this episode actually comes out, we will we will have a new president the day after. Or the same one. Well, yeah. I mean, we will have a, a, a new president or the same one, whatever. We, it will be a new term that we will know what's going on. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Maybe the Matrix will be appropriate. You know, I found, I heard that they have um, sustainable other planets that they've found. So that's some good news. We might have to utilize that. So you know, you know, good news. Uh, on that dour, <laughs> on that dour note, or good note, uh, let's uh, let's wrap this episode. Um, yeah. So if you're not tired of voting, get, vote in the KYC poll. <laughs> if you're going to make. One vote this year. Uh, not, that make, don't make that the KYC. If you want to vote twice, vote for the president and then also vote for our. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. To, to clarify, we do have some. Not much, but like a little bit. Not much. Just enough. <laughs> Good times. Good, good times. All, All is right, right so, in the world, gentlemen. All is right in the world. Absolutely. Thank you guys for coming and hanging out with us. Uh, and remember, don't take life too seriously. You'll never make it out alive. This is true. Uh, I had a I had a dream yesterday. And uh, in that dream, I dreamt... Uh, Season three is going to be amazing <laughs> for our podcast. Is that legit? You had a you had a dream, or you just you just bullshitting us right now? <laughs> My dreams are legit. All right, sir. Season three is going to be amazing. You watch out for all season right. three. <laughs> when people when people talk about our show, they're like, you know, season three was season forty eight more weeks, and we'll know for sure. <laughs> That's right. So stick with us for the next 48 weeks. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it was great, guys. Talk to you. We'll see you next week. <laughs> see you then. Later. See you then. Bye.